There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA, the Israel-Hamas conflict. Uh, unfortunately, they, they really, really, really did their homework this time. Dr. Hans Jacob Schinder, senior director at the Counter-Extremism Project, says not only did Hamas overachieve, but they had some very high-level help in doing it. What I find worrying, but this is also unfortunately unavoidable, is that there seems to have been some learnings also from the Ukraine war. Uh, using drones to attack the watchtowers first, uh, make sure that all the electronic devices and early warning systems are bombarded by commercially available drones first, so that the system is basically blind before you move your men. The crisis in the Middle East, coming up on this episode from WTOP. In Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The events unfolding in Gaza and Israel have global implications. There have been protests, there have been threats, and there have been attacks in countries around the world, essentially. In Uganda, a tourist was killed today by someone who identified with Hamas, claiming essentially he was getting revenge. There was a situation in Belgium two days ago where two people were killed, two Swedish football fans. In France, more than a week ago, a teacher was killed. In France, just today, 10 airports had to be evacuated because of bomb threats. No bombs were found, but French authorities were taking it very seriously, considering what's happening. For a deep look at all of what's taking place, how it started and where it's going, Dr. Hans Jacob Schindler, Senior Director at the Counter-Extremism Project, spoke to me a bit earlier. We've been talking about this for a year, two, maybe three years. What took place in Israel and what's happening now in Gaza, you saw signs a long time ago that something like this was brewing. Tell us what you saw. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to be with you. Um, Obviously, everyone, including myself, was really surprised by the scale and sophistication and the new tactics that Hamas displayed um, over the last weekend in its attack against Israel. But it was very clear that something majorly was brewing. There were frequent meetings between Hamas and Hezbollah, Hamas, Hezbollah and Iran, Iran and Hamas in Beirut, in Syria. Over the last couple of months, Hamas uh, even openly stated uh, a couple of weeks ago that they are aiming for a regional confrontation with Israel. So it was clear that something major was in the preparation. And I'm 100% sure that was also clear to the Israelis. But as always in these things, when, how, in what way, that is always the most difficult thing to find out. And um, we've been hearing that uh, some of uh, Israel's um, intelligence partners, like 
the U.S. and uh, some of the neighboring countries had warned about this. Um, and, you know, we've seen as well some videos that Hamas had essentially put out as propaganda. Uh, and they were very, very convincing, those videos, that they were up to something. So how do you suppose Israel, um, had they known about this, could have responded or should have responded to this? Look, I mean, the preparation for, for this major attack was not just the military training of its fighters. It was also a very long preparation of uh, tiring out Israeli intelligence, going to the fence with demonstrations fairly regularly the last couple of weeks, heating up significantly the situation in the West Bank, so more attacks by Palestinians in the West Bank, but nothing in Gaza. Gaza stayed eerily quiet over the last couple of months. So you had this combination, which is a classic military tactic, is to divert your enemy's attention somewhere else. Uh, and at the same time, pretend to attack so many times that on the 75th time that this happens, the other side thinks, well, this is as usual. It's Monday morning, seven o'clock. You know, that's what they do. They come close to the fence. Nothing's going to happen again. So it was extremely sophisticated in which way in, in the in the way that Hamas not only trained but also prepared for this, which of course is the clearest indication. This is not Hamas all of a sudden gaining brain cells. This is very clearly the influence of both Iran and Hezbollah explaining really clearly military tactics. Because what we have seen last weekend was not a terrorist attack in a classical sense of a small intrusion or a bomb attack, it was a military invasion by a terrorist group and then a terrorist operation slaughtering civilians. So I'm not an Israeli, I'm not a military officer, so it's not on me to give Israel any advices, particularly in this very difficult situation in which the country and its military and its intelligence services uh, find themselves right now. But clearly, and Israeli officials have said as much, there has to be a very, very long, very, very deep and hard look on what went wrong, how it went wrong. Was there too much emphasis of electronic surveillance versus simply boots on the grounds around Gaza? What happened? That's one of the key things that's been mentioned is that um, there are some who think that uh, Hamas, even though there were all these overt signs and warnings out there, they simply, when it came to Gaza and what was happening there, just got radio silent in a big way. And in fact, there are some that are suggesting they didn't even use uh, electronic devices. They may have just been communicating word of mouth and on pen and paper. What are your thoughts? Thousands of years, wars have been prepared in exactly this manner that, uh, you know, you do not telephone uh, because there were no telephones. You do not use the internet because there was no internet. And, you know, major battles and campaigns have been waged hundreds of years ago, exactly like that. So it is a distinct possibility. It could also be a possibility that there simply was so much chatter on, you know, we don't want to fight at the same time, people talking to each other about preparing as they have always done, that it's simply it was overdrawn. Uh, the real significant conversations were not really picked out by the masses of stuff. So there's two ways that you can do this. You can basically overload the system, so much conversations that no one really understands what's going on, or you can get, stay completely silent. What I find worrying, but this is also unfortunately unavoidable, is that there seems to have been in, uh, some learnings also from the Ukraine war, right? using drones to attack the watchtowers first, 
uh, make sure that all the electronic devices and early warning systems are bombarded by commercially available drones first so that the system is basically blind before you move your men. So uh, unfortunately, they, they really, really, really made their home, did their homework this time. Now, um, looking at where we are now, there, there's a war underway. Very clearly, Israel is preparing for what they say could be a long, painful process. Um, what do you expect? Um, what do you see uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, any of the other players capable of and willing to do and, and Israel's response? Well, first of all, it's very clear that Israel at this point really does have no choice. Um, anytime Israel shows weakness, and the last couple of months and the internal political disagreements in Israel was a moment of weakness. Um, Israel gets hit hard. Israelis get killed now in a very spectacular manner. So the country will have to reckon with what happened. But at the moment, this is not a time to be hesitant or to be showing any kind of weakness. So they unfortunately are forced into what I call the second stage of the Hamas strategy. Hamas, of course, knows that this is coming, that when you do something like this, there will be an intrusion in, in Gaza. They want that intrusion in Gaza to produce these horrible pictures, however sophisticated you are, how much care you're ever going to take in a densely populated area. And Gaza is one of them, if not the highest, highest dense, uh, densely populated area in the world, you will occur civilian casualties. You've seen today even when the civilians are trying to flee because the Israeli army notifies them to evacuate the northern part of the Gaza Strip. Hamas tries to tell them that this fake news, this is not true, even prevents some of the civilians from fleeing northern Gaza and forces them to return back because what they want uh, is dead Palestinian civilians. That's part of the strategy. Hamas was never about uh, protecting uh, Palestinian life, it was always about eradicating Jewish life worldwide. So this is step two. Step two means Hamas cannot win militarily, not by itself. However, it can try to put enough political pressure on other actors like Hezbollah, Syria, other Arab countries, Iraqi militias in Iraq, that um, they have to or see a need to get involved in this conflict. You've seen over the last week that Hezbollah clearly indicated they are not interested. Um, they do a pinprick attack here, mortar here, a rocket there, nothing of any scale. So clearly Hezbollah understands that even if this is a second front, there's only going to be a second place for Hezbollah. And that means, again, total destruction of its infrastructure as it was in previous confrontations with uh, Israel. And that's why it's so important that the US moved its aircraft carrier combat group into the Mediterranean and close to the Lebanese coast to make very clear to anyone who has any designs to take part in this, that this is not going to go very well for them. But this is part of the Hamas strategy and therefore they need dead Palestinian civilians. Ruthlessly, incredibly brutal, but that's what Hamas does. Secondly, Israel has no choice but to take care of the tunnels. The tunnels are the network, the bloodstream of Hamas terrorist operations. That's where the weapons are. That's where the rockets are. That's incidentally also most likely where the hostages are right now. They cannot leave this network intact. They have to destroy this. And this is not 
possible to do just by air. You have to be on the ground. So yeah. we are looking towards horrible, horrible weeks ahead, unfortunately. Finally, the likelihood that Israel can make good on its promise to deal with and eliminate the Hamas leadership, eliminate that militant wing altogether. Look, Hamas is a terrorist group and it's an ideology. So what is absolutely possible and what is going to happen is uh, anyone in Gaza now belonging to Hamas um, should make preparations for the next life. Uh, Israel is not going to leave them alive. Um, at best, they're going to be captured and spend the rest of their days in an Israeli prison. Um, very understandably, that's the aim. The physical infrastructure, the tunnels, the launch sites, the weapons, um, that's the aim of the Israeli army to uh, get that and destroy it. And that is achievable, but it will take a long time and it will take a, another not insignificant number of Israeli casualties on the military side to do so. But I don't think in, in this situation um, there's any, ever going to be any stop by the Israeli army until this is achieved. What is not possible is to eradicate Hamas as an ideology. So obviously you set back the infrastructure, hopefully you get some of the leaders, if not all of the leaders, you degrade the organization, hopefully you could degrade it to that extent that for the foreseeable future it cannot hold power and take entire the entire Gaza Strip hostage again. Um, that should be doable if you are patient and persistent enough on the Israeli side, which I'm sure they will be. But it will rebuild. This ideology is not going to go away. However, that's why it is on us as the international community to do a couple of more things. Number one is to really put even further tighter screws on Iran. Hamas cannot maintain its arsenal of weapons, especially its rockets, without the support constantly, consistently, and in a large scale of Iran. That should be one of the priorities. The second priorities is the Qatari government, who hosts the leadership of entire Hamas. Hamas separate organizations has a terrorist military ring, but also does social work and you know, pretends to be a political group. That leadership, Michal and others, are living in Qatar, free and safe. Run foundations in Qatar that donate uh, uh, donation, uh, collect donations for Hamas. Hamas cannot exist without that money from the Gulf, primarily from Qatar. This needs to stop. Thirdly, Turkey has hosted meetings with Hamas leaders several times. This has to stop. And fourthly, we here in Europe, in North America, and Germany has already started to do this, need to take a very long and hard look when it comes to charitable donations in the direction of the Palestinians. Which ones are truly humanitarian and going to the Palestinians? Which ones are for radical extremist and terrorist purposes, i.e. going to Hamas, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the PFLP or other uh, terrorist organizations who incidentally weak, weaken the Palestinian National Authority, our negotiation partner. Finally, and the EU has just today started a, um, a Digital Services Act inquiry into X formerly Twitter, these social media platforms, in particular X, TikTok, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, are the propaganda outlet of Hamas. That's where they post these videos of the hostages. That's where they post the videos of their executions and their killings. They have to do better. 
Again, it took days before they started to act. It took a inquiry by the European Commission, which carries the penalty of 6% of your annual global turn turnover, if you don't react, for them to start moving. It is shameful that these companies had not, from the get-go on Saturday, said, no more Hamas postings on my platform. Dr. Hans Jacob Schindler, Senior Director at the Counter-Extremism Project. This conflict has generated interest far beyond Israel and Gaza. And here's a conversation I had with the U.S. Ambassador to NATO, Julianne Smith. Over the weekend, um, I'm told there was a gathering of defense ministers and there were several important topics on the list. One of them was the situation in Israel with Gaza. What can you tell me about that and uh, your thoughts about the situation? Well, we did have a big meeting here last week with all of the defense ministers from every single NATO ally. There are 31 of them. And one of the topics on the agenda was obviously the tragic terrorist attacks, unspeakable acts that took place in Israel. We were able to be joined in that meeting by the Israeli Minister of Defense, who was able to brief us on what had happened and what Israel is planning going forward. All of the allies condemned the attacks offered their solidarity and support to Israel. And then we were also able to take up a second subject, and that, of course, is the ongoing war in Ukraine. Are you able to share anything that the uh, you were, you got from the briefing? Uh, well, I really, it was a private briefing, so I wouldn't want to get into too many of the details, but obviously allies were keen to hear exactly what transpired on the ground, and then specifically what assistance Israel feels it needs in this moment, uh, whether it's political support, whether it's military assistance. We wanted to hear more about what their requirements were as they prepare to go after Hamas terrorists, and then we wanted wanted to better understand how their operations would avoid any unnecessary, any attacks whatsoever on civilians. And so we were able to have that conversation. Again, I don't want to go into any further detail, but it was an important opportunity for the allies to hear directly from the Israelis about events on the ground in real time and how they might support Israel in that moment. Julianne Smith is the U.S. Ambassador to NATO. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, more from the crisis in the Middle East. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast.